is Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. Welcome to Wealth Wake Up Live. Dick Donahue with you this Saturday morning. We are live and we are in studio and we're going to start out the week talking about our weekly wrap-up for this week. And it was a fairly strong week for stocks as the results in recent gains in major indices. Some softer price action at the end of the week was offset by sizable gains in the first half of the week. Including last Friday, the major indices registered four consecutive winning sessions at Wednesday's close. The week's upside moves had the S&P 500 reclaim a position above its 50-day moving average. Broad-based gains reflected market participants' willingness to buy a weakness uh, aided by a big drop in market rates. Overall, there wasn't a lot of conviction on the part of sellers. Many of this week's sessions featured below average, which is not out of the ordinary for the last week of August, uh, below average volume. And it's just, of course, that happens a lot just before the Labor Day weekend. Mega cap stocks took charge, benefiting from the drop in market rates. The mega cap growth ETF rose about 3.6% for the week. The S&P 500 equal weight ETF rose 2.3%. And the two-year note yield fell 17 basis points. That would be 7.17% this week to 4.88%. The 10-year note yield fell 7 basis points to 4.17%. Those moves were in response to a batch of economic data that wasn't too bad, but wasn't too good either. Slightly weaker than expected economic reports were a good thing in the market's eyes as it relates to the Fed policy. That's to say that the market participants have been watching the data for co- to corroborate the notion that the Fed won't raise rates again. The economic calendar this week featured the August Consumer Confidence Index, or the July Joltzer, which is the job openings report, and the second estimate for the second quarter GDP, July Personal Income and Spending Report, and the August ISM Manufacturing Index, and the August Employment Situation Report. A big move in oil prices was lurking under the radar this week. West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil Futures jumped 2.3% on Friday, which brought this week's percentage gain to 7.8% to $85.55 a barrel. That move in oil prices underpinned strength in the S&P 500 energy sector, which is up 3.8% the week. Also raising eyebrows as it relates to inflation, staying persistently high. Aside from energy, the information technology sector, which is up 4.4%, consumer discretionary up 3%, and communication services up 3.5%, saw the largest gains. The counter-cyclical utilities were down 1.7%, consumer staples were down 3 tenths of 1%. They were the lone holdouts to close without a loss this week. On the earnings front, the Dow component sales force was a standout winner following its quarterly results and guidance. Retailers Dollar General and Five Below sank after reporting quarterly results that featured below consensus guidance, while Best Buy and Lululululum uh, jumped after their earnings report. As a reminder, equity and bond markets will be closed on Monday for Labor Day. So here are some summaries of the daily action this week. On Monday, the stock market started the last week of the August on an upbeat note. The major indices settled the session near their best levels of the day or extremely light volume on the New York Stock Exchange. The positive bias was partially fueled by carryover upside momentum from Friday's rebound effort that took root after some knee-jerk selling in response to the Fed Chair Powell's speech at the Jackson Hole Symposium. The major indices exhibited some choppy behavior as a result of fickle price action in the mega-cap stocks, but they never slipped into negative territory. Due to broad buying at under the uh, surface index surface, Nevada had been going down as much as 2.5%. It's low for the day, but closed with a 1.8% gain. We saw the mega cap index rose 7 tenths of 1%. The equal weight S&P also rose 8 tenths of 1%. And the market cap weighted S&P rose 6 tenths of 1%. 3M was a standout winner 
pacing the Dow Jones Industrial Average in the S&P 500 industrial sector. It was up eight-tenths of one percent. That followed reports that the company is nearing a $5.5 billion settlement on its military earplugs case. There was no economic data of note on Monday. And then on Tuesday, it was another strong day for stocks on light volume. A big drop in market rates provided the positive catalyst for stocks. The S&P 500 climbed to its 50-day moving average to 44.60 shortly after the open and ultimately settled just as whisker shy of the 4,500 level. On the major indices, all the major indices settled near their highs of the day. Two Treasury yields dropped shar- sharply following the release of the July jolts, that's the job openings report, and August Consumer Confidence Index at 10 a.m. Eastern. Both of these reports were weaker than expected, which is a good thing in the market's eyes as it relates to Fed policy. Mega caps and other growth stocks led the up <coughs> upside charge, reacting positively to the drop in market rates. The mega cap ETF jumped 2%. The Russell, 2000, or Russell 3000 growth was up 1.9. The best gain in Best Buy followed its earnings results and its outlook provided an additional boost for the consumer discretionary sector. Tuesday's economic data, we saw that the June FA, FHFA housing price index was up three-tenths of 1%. Prior month was up seven-tenths. The June S&P Case-Shiller Home Price Year-Over-Year Index uh, was up 1.2%, and it was down 1.7 the prior month. The consumer, August consumer confidence was at 106.1. Prior was revised to 114 from 117. So the key takeaway from these report is the rece- receding optimism about the employment conditions negatively affected consumers' view of the present situation and outlook. The Jolt saw job opening report at 8.827 million. Um, and we go on to Wednesday. The stock market logged its fourth consecutive winning session uh, in another lightly traded affair. Upside moves, however, were more subdued compared to recent sessions. The S&P 500, which closed above the 4,500 level, and the NASDAQ composite finished near its highs on the day to support the mega cap space. An initial drop in market rates following the weaker-than-expected economic data provided added support early on. Treasury yields climbed off their interday low, though as the session progressed. Relative strength from the mega cap space was the biggest driver of those gains. We also saw that um, uh, Hewlett-Packard garnered a positive reaction after beating earnings estimates. So reviewing Wednesday's economic data, we saw that the weekly MBA mortgage applications were up 2.3%. The prior week was revised down. It was down 4.2%. August's ADP employment change, 177,000. The uh, second quarter GDP estimate of 2.1%. Prior was 2.4%. We saw the second quarter GDP deflator, which is second estimate of 2%. And prior month was 2.2%. So the key takeaway from this report is that it's fit, it fits the soft landing scenario. Also, there were downward revisions in the inflation readings, which is something that will continue to drive the market's belief that the Fed will refrain from another rate hike. We also saw that July's pending home sales were up nine-tenths of 1%. Prior was revised to 0.4% from 0.3%. Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up Live here in KGMI. We'll be back in a minute. We work to counter nature when we cool and heat our homes, but there's also a way to harness the power of nature to make your world more comfortable and affordable. Hi, I'm Joe Tien for my friends at West Mechanical, Heating, Air Conditioning, and Electric, and now they've added solar to their repertoire. Free yourself from the high cost of electricity and unpredictable rate increases with your own home solar system. You not only get a long-term, renewable, and dependable source of power, you can also kiss most or possibly all of your power bill goodbye. Many solar installations are sales tax-free in the state of Washington. Plus, you'll enjoy a 30% federal tax credit that can be used for up to 15 years. And solar is good for the environment. The average system reduces annual household CO2 emissions by 16,000 pounds. I trust West Mechanical's pros to maintain my home's comfort systems, and they'll help you choose and install the system that's right for you and your budget. Always with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Find out what solar and West Mechanical can do for you today at westmechanical.net. 
Duarden Bodie's Labor Day deals are on now and all weekend long with the season's biggest savings on the largest selection of appliances, mattresses, barbecues, and more in Whatcom, Skagit, and Island Counties. If you've been waiting for the right deal, now is the time to score with huge cashback rebates, special no-interest financing, and a 30-day local price match guarantee so you know you're always getting the best price in town. Find huge savings up to 40% off on the best selection of in-stock refrigerators, dishwashers, washers, and dryers, ranges, and cooktops, and more. Plus, get huge cashback rebates up to $1,000 on qualifying appliance pairs and packages. And save up to $800 on select mattress sets. Plus, get up to 50% off clearance mattresses in all sizes from top brands. Upgrade today and pay no money down and no interest up to two years on select appliances and up to six years on select mattresses. Shop Labor Day deals now at DeWard and Bodie in Bellingham and Burlington. Financing OAC offer qualifications and restrictions apply. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. And I'm proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free. And I won't forget the men who died who gave that right to me. And I gladly stand up. Welcome back. Enjoy it. We're Asset Advisors. We are located out on the Pacific Highway. That's uh, Old Highway 99, actually parallels uh, uh, I-5, is north of the Slater Road on your right. And we're in the Pacific Commerce Center, uh, just a little bit south of where Wilson's Furniture is in the Pacific Commerce Center. Our address is 5060 Pacific Highway, Suite 101, Ferndale, 98248. Our phone number, 360-733-1200. Well, I'm going to continue on with this week's economic news. And on Thursday, we saw that the market's winning streak was broken. The market initially moved higher before upside momentum slowly dissipated. The S&P 500 and the Dow Jones Industrial Average both closed with a loss near their worst levels of the day, while the NASDAQ actually eked out a slim gain. The muted price action was due to a lack of conviction on either side of the tape. Relative strength in the mega-cap stocks offered a measure of support to the broader market. The mega-cap ETF actually logged a tenth of 1% gain. Well, the S&P 500 equal weight fell four-tenths of 1%, and the market cap S&P fell two-tenths of 1%. Market participants were digesting some otherwise pleasing data that cooperated their understanding that the U.S. economy is not tracking currently at a hard landing pace. Thursday's economic data, we saw initial jobless claims at 175,000. Uh, last week, it was revised to 232,000 from 230,000. We saw weekly continuing claims at 160,000, but last week was revised to 1.69 million from 1.702 million. The key takeaway from this report is that initial claims, a leading indicator, continue to run at levels that are not indicative of a tight labor market that goes hand in hand with an economy that is definitely not on a hard landing pattern. We also saw that July's personal income was up three tenths of 1%. That compares with June, which is also up three tenths. Personal spending was up eight tenths of one percent. June was revised to up six percent, so up six tenths of one percent. The July PCE prices were at two point two percent. June was also two tenths of one percent. The July PCE prices of core uh, was at two tenths of one percent. June was also two tenths. So the key takeaway from these reports would be that the uptick in the year-over-year inflation readings, they weren't the eye-popping variety. However, they should catch the Fed's eye as a basis not to cut interest rates anytime soon. We saw Chicago's PMI in at 48.7. July was 42.8, so a little improvement there as well. On Friday, stocks closed out the first day of September on a mixed note. The three main indices closed with only modest gains or losses, with the Russell 2000 up 1.1%. The S&P 500 maintained positive above 4,500, uh, reaching 4,501 at its low. The um, uh, 
a jump in market rates, which is a view from Cleveland President uh, Mester, who is a 2024 FOMC voter, that inflation remains too high and a sharp increase in oil prices to 85.55 a barrel acted as headwinds for the stock market. The two-year note yield rose two basis points and fell 1.17 basis points for the week to 7.4.88%. The 10-year note yield rose eight basis points, but it also fell for the week to 4.17. Mega caps and growth stocks were relatively soft, reacting to the bump in rates and cooling off from a stronger showing earlier in the week. The mega cap growth uh, uh, index closed flat, while the S&P equal weight logged a four-tenths of 1% gain. The market cap weighted S&P rose two-tenths. The Russell 3000 rose six-tenths of 1% versus one-tenth of 1% gain in the Russell. Uh, three, that's the Russell 3000 value. That would be your dividend stocks. Had that six-tenths of 1% gain. The uh, Russell growth index was up one-tenth of 1%. So reviewing Friday's economic data, we saw that August non-farm payrolls were at 187,000. July was revised to 157,000 from 187,000. August's non-farm private payrolls were 179,000. July was revised to 155 from 172. So both of July's reports, number of new jobs were revised downward. August's average hourly earnings went up two-tenths of 1%. July was four-tenths of 1%. August was unemployment rate at 3.8. July was 3.5. So we also saw the unemployment rate go up for the month of August. And August's average work week was at 34.4 hours. July was 34.3. Altogether, the key takeaway from this report is the Goldilocks report as it pertains to the market's thinking and the Fed won't be raising rates again. We also saw the August S&P Global U.S. Manufacturing PMI come in at 47.9. July was 47, so creeping up a little bit closer to that 50, which is break-even. The construction spending was up 7 tenths of 1%. June was revised to up 6 tenths of 1% from up a half percent. And the key takeaway from this report is that the residential spending continues to be powered by new single-family construction to meet demand that cannot be satisfied through the existing home market. The August IISM Manufacturing Index was up 47.6. July was 46.4. The key takeaway from this report is manufacturing demand remains soft, yet conditions in the manufacturing sector, slow that they may be, appear to be stabilizing. So year-to-date, up through yesterday, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is now up 5.1% for the year. The NASDAQ is up 34.1, the S&P 500 up 17.6, and the Russell 2000 index is up 9.1%. Looking at some of our high-frequency data that we like to follow, we saw the initial jobless games for the week ending August 25th. As I mentioned a week ago, were 228,000. That was actually a decline of 1.7%. We saw continuing jobless claims as of the 18th of August at 1,725,000. That was actually an increase of 1.6. We saw box office receipts for the week ending August 31st were down another 9.2%. We saw rail car traffic as of August 25th was down 1.3%. Steel production as of August 28th was down 1.3%. Hotel occupancy was, as of the week ending August 26th, was at 65%. That was down 3%. That compares with 70% back in 2019 at this time. TSA checkpoint data, as of August 31st, 2,275,489 passengers a day. That was down 4.1% from a week ago. The supply of motor gasoline, as of the 25th of August, was up 1.8%. And global commercial flights, as of August 31st, 130,583 a day. That was a drop of about eight-tenths of 1% over a week ago. One of the big reports that the market paid attention to this week was the uh, the Fed's uh, preferred inflation gauge that came out. And uh, the underlying inflation posted the smallest back-to-back increases since late 2020 encouraging a burst of consumer spending and feeling that uh, feeding growth the expectation of the economy can avert a recession. The Core Personal Consumption Expenditures Index, which strips out the volatile food and energy components, rose two-tenths of 1% in July for a second month. 
The overall PCE index was increased two-tenths of 1%. Uh, Bureau of Economic Analysis data showed uh, that on Thursday. Inflation-adjusted consumer spending rose six-tenths of 1% on the heels of solid gain in June. That was the strongest advance since the start of the year. The subdued inflation figures underscore the progress that the Fed has made over the past year in taming pricing pressures. That said, the central bank is far from declaring victory, and the strength of consumer spending presents a fresh concern for policymakers seeking to ensure that inflation continues to dissipate. Low employment, pandemic era savings, and wage growth are providing Americans the wherewithal to keep spending, allowing the economy to power ahead. Many economists have had to push out the recession calls. In some cases, they've had to scrap them all together. As a result, the latest figures point to a strong start of economic growth in the third quarter of this year. Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up Live here on KGMI. We'll be back shortly. Nine one one. Do you need police, fire, or medical? Hi, my name is Shane. I've been a dispatcher here at Watcom for nearly twenty years. I have a degree in radio and TV, and chose to switch careers to nine one one dispatching because it's a great way to serve our community. Every day I come to work not knowing what the day will bring, and it's always an adventure. I love being able to help those in need and make a difference, and making sure officers and deputies go home every night to their families and earn a good wage with benefits. The job has enabled me to raise my family and connect with so many people here in Whatcom County. It's been a blessing. Do you want to know your work makes a difference? Can you be the calm voice in the storm? Answer the call at Whatcom 911. If you have strong typing and customer service skills, our robust training program will support you the rest of the way. Find out more about how to apply at cob.org dispatch. That's cob.org dispatch. Are you looking for an auto shop that offers honest quality service? Hi, I'm Kirk, owner of Angler Automotive. At Angler Automotive, we strive to make sure that all of your automotive service needs are met. Angler Automotive provides the factory recommended services that are required to maintain your vehicle's warranty. Angler Automotive, outstanding quality with honest, reliable service. Check us out online at anglerautomotive.com. How does free beer sound? That's right, free beer. This week with PNW Perks, you can get a $50 gift certificate to Menace Brewing for just $25. That's $25 of free beer this week with PNW Perks. You don't need to go to Boston to find a place where everybody knows your name. Menace Brewing in Bellingham's Fountain District is family-owned and operated and pet and family-friendly. So when you're at Menace Brewing, you're always with family. Whether you're looking for a place to catch a soccer match, test yourself on trivia night, or grab some delicious food from one of their rotating food trucks, Menace Brewing is your friendly neighborhood brewery. Stop by from noon till 10 daily and enjoy a refreshing craft pint. Bring your friends and make some new ones. So next time you'd like to get away, head to Menace Brewing on the corner of the Guide and West North Street in Bellingham. This Thursday, you can score $50 to spend at Menace Brewing for just $25. Find the details and get in on the savings at pnwperks.com. The latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. Harness the power of the sun, reduce your carbon footprint, and save on your energy bills. You can now go solar with West Mechanical Heating, Air Conditioning, and Electrical. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. CBS News Brief, the federal judge in the election interference case against former President Trump. They set a trial date on Monday. Former public defender Lucius Outlaw. For the defense, it dictates when you're going to do your investigation, which witnesses you're going to reach out to, when you're going to file motions, and generally prepare for trial. It's a steamy weekend ahead for parts of the country, says the Weather Channel meteorologist Kelly Cass on CBS Saturday mornings. The heat, the humidity is still a problem, especially across the south into Louisiana, where we desperately need the rainfall. We have a very bad deficit in places like Lake Charles and New Orleans. Where we are going to be getting the rain is Florida, thanks to the tropics. People in the town of Maryville in southwestern Louisiana have been ordered to evacuate because of a wildfire that officials say is the largest they've ever seen. Ed Bush of the Red Cross. We're supposed to kind of catch a break. And and, in between hurricanes and tornadoes and now fires and other things, uh, it's endless. CBS News Brief. I'm Christopher Cruz. 
Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land God bless the USA Welcome back to Wealth Wake Up Live. Dick Donahue with you this Saturday morning. I do want to thank you for being with us on this holiday weekend. You know, last weekend I spent uh, part of the uh, show talking about um, a little bit about why I returned back to LPL Financial Services, which is where I had spent 35 years. And um, originally when I made the change back in 2015, we were still affiliated with LPL Financial. And um, a couple years into that relationship, the organization I was with decided to leave LPL. So, uh, you know, I kind of, I guess in the back of my mind, always kind of felt like I really wanted to be back there. But there's a lot of reasons for this move. And um, one of the biggest, I started in February this year, I signed a confidentiality agreement with LPL to exchange some numbers with them uh, on what my metrics were as far as my client base and what have you. And um, uh, pretty much made the decision a couple, three months later that it was the right thing to do. I spent a lot of time looking at different investment strategies, what was available at LPL versus where I was. And one of the big things that I wanted to point, point out is that LPL is the largest independent financial advisory firm in the business. Uh, one of the key points to point out there is they have no proprietary products. That means, among other things, they do not manage any portfolios themselves. They're not buying and selling and managing stocks inside of a portfolio. Now, they do give us some strategies that they recommend. They do have a research staff. They have a very robust research staff. But, um, you know, they do not actually go in and say, buy this stock, sell this stock, or what have you. That's contrary to where I was. Um, The other thing I guess I point out is that now I'm one of, of uh, over 21,000 advisors uh, nationwide um, before I was one of 140. And now that we are the firm that manages almost $1.4 trillion altogether versus, I guess, the latest number I've heard is like $28 billion. So the ability to go out and have access in this world today to basically any investment management platform out there is just far greater because if you've got a halfway decent investment management platform, you want advisors at LPL to have access to you. You want to gather in those assets because the key driver in the long run in this industry is assets under management. So if you're a money manager, you want to be able to go out there and attract those assets. Now, when I first started looking at LPL, one of the things that I did, I had a report from March, and I started looking at a lot of their separately managed accounts. They're kind of like a mutual fund, but they're not a mutual fund. They're a lot less expensive than a mutual fund to manage. They don't have all the marketing expenses and all the other stuff tied to them that a mutual fund has got. Um, And I started looking at the list of, of separately managed accounts that I had available to me at LPL, and there were over a thousand different separately managed accounts. Uh, minimums with some of them were anywhere from ten thousand to twenty-five thousand to fifty thousand to a hundred thousand, three hundred thousand dollars or more. So as I went through that list of separately managed accounts, I narrowed it down to about eighty-five that I felt, based on past performance at least, and my knowledge of some of them as far as ha- having past history with them. So there were firms that I maybe felt that I wanted to, you know, use or include in my portfolios with my clients. Uh, I spent a couple of days in Seattle a couple of months ago at a, 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 a forum that uh, LPL sponsored. There were about 200 advisors there. That was primarily focused on different strategies and investment managers. I gained quite a bit of knowledge out of that. Then a month ago, I went down to San Diego for LPL's annual meeting, and they call it FOCUS. And FOCUS this year, there were over 8,000 advisors there. Um, Pretty big gathering. And uh, I spent, you know, I had spent some time in some meetings that were required as far as compliance and things like that. Spent time in their general sessions, kind of getting brought up to date on 
what LPL management was doing, what their economic research was showing, and those types of things. But the majority of my time I spent in the exhibit hall talking to investment managers, just trying to take a look at what was out there, what what I had missed, where I had been. And, like, and I've always been kind of a numbers guy. I've always kind of tracked the market very closely over the years. And uh, I've always been one to be willing to make changes in our clients' portfolios. I'm not somebody that necessarily wants to buy and hold. I've always paid attention to a lot of things. I'm going to talk here a little bit uh, today, a little bit about uh, uh, what's happened about a recession and, and uh, is it a stock market killer, but I'm going to do that here in the next segment. But the point being that I've always paid attention to what is happening in the market, what's happening with different strategies. I've always been willing to move money around and change and I'm not necessarily loyal or in bed with any set of managers, et cetera. But one of the things that I found out in looking at what my investment options were, that uh, in my previous relationship, one thing that took me there were there were a couple of managers that were available on the platform that were not proprietary. They were outside managers. One had been in business since 1997. The other had been in business since 2002. And both of them had fairly respectable track records over that period of time. And um, I felt very comfortable utilizing those particular strategies in my portfolios. The one encumbrance that I ran into is that they had $100,000 minimums. That meant that if I had a client's portfolio, that I had to have $100,000 in that portfolio. It also meant that if markets went up and down, I had to be willing to go ahead and rebalance those portfolios or if clients were taking systematic withdrawals, which our average client is about 70 years old. So I got a lot of clients that are dependent on their money for income. And if they were taking systematic monthly regular withdrawals off the money, I would have to go in and constantly be monitoring those account minimums or those strategy minimums, sometimes having to buy, sell, and move money around. Well, one of the things that I found in, the, in doing my research is that these same two managers that I've been using all this time also had companion platforms out there that did not have $100,000 minimums. And so the ability that I've got today to go out and use those same managers but also to be able to diversify, in addition to that, I've added in a couple of other managers who – manage money similarly, and when I say manage money similarly, uh, my focus to a large degree is also using managers that are willing to use defensive measures in order to protect the client's portfolio during times of down markets especially. And um, I think it's important to have that ability to have that in your portfolio where at least a portion of your money that you're managing You've got managers that are professionally going in there and are doing that. So what I found in the process of my research is that I had the availability of not one, not two, not three, but at least four different managers that I really feel comfortable with as far as using those in my client's portfolio because they've all had pretty good participation in the market as far as capturing the upside in the market when the market's gone up. But they've also done a very good job as far as managing downside risk. And as we get older, I think it's really important that we have that element in our portfolios. So where I'm going with this is that all of a sudden, instead of using one or two managers that had $100,000 minimums, I can now go out here and use three or four managers that do not have $100,000 managers or minimums, have access to some really good managers, and be able to divide that money up in a number of different pieces. So that pie that we were talking about last week, when I go out and get that that pizza, uh, I can go in there and I can say, hey, I want to order a pizza, but I want to have Canadian bacon and pineapple on this slice, and I want to go over here and have pepperoni and mushroom and olives on this one, and then I'm going to go over here and have salami and anchovies or whatever on this other piece. And uh, maybe, you know, I still got the choice. Is it a thick crust or a thin crust? So, you know, thick crust, I might want to put more money in there, and a little thin crust, I might not want to put as much money in there, uh, along with all those other strategies that are available to us It's just the flexibility, the investment flexibility that I have. It's also the ability, frankly, to go out there and be able to do this at a lower fee than what I was doing it before. So 
there's definitely plus pluses all the way around as far as this is concerned. So we've been busy uh, meet contacting our clients. It's taking us a while. I apologize if, if you're a client and you're listening to me and I haven't called you. It isn't because I don't want to. It's just simply because we have been absolutely slammed in the process of doing our paperwork. A uh, little, little, indicate, little, uh, in, a little issue that we had. For example, we hired a firm in San Diego to download a lot of, a lot of our client data, social security numbers and, and, and birth dates and addresses and all that kind of stuff for us into a spreadsheet. They downloaded that to LPL so it would auto-populate our new client forms. Well, one of the issues we've had, which has created some additional work for us, is that somehow or other they shifted one of the columns, on the, especially on the Social Security numbers, and all of a sudden we were getting rejections on some of our uh, clients with the wrong Social Security numbers because they had transposed and, and pulled a number off of, you know, one number out of, it was so out of order. So we've had to spend quite a bit of time mechanically going in and, and fixing some of those problems, and uh, I don't need to talk about all the dirty laundry, but I just want to be candid about what the issues are in going through this. It has taken us a lot more time and a lot more energy than what I expected it was going to take. It isn't just an overnight snap-your-fingers process, and we are trying to get to our clients and get those accounts transferred. Uh, uh, We're working as diligently as we can, calling as many people as we can, and getting them either we're doing a lot of electronic signatures or we're getting them in the office, and... um, I'm really excited about the flexibility that I have, again, as far as managing my clients' portfolios and not using any proprietary management, being able to go out and take a look at what investment managers are doing, getting current update information on what those managers are doing. If I don't like what they're doing, I can make changes. I can move the money around. Um, it's just it's just a breath of fresh air, to be candid with you. And it's something that uh, I'm really glad to be back and be part of LPL Financial. Uh, when I first started in 1982, there were 300 of us. As I said, now there's over 21,000 of us. Today, there's over uh, $1.4 trillion in assets under management. Major firm, independent, no proprietary products. Feels good. Going to take a break. Be back after this. Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up Live here in KGMI. Thanks for listening. Some days I cover up because of my moderate to severe plaque psoriasis. Now I'm hitting the road with clearer skin thanks to Sky Rizzi. Rizm Kism of Rizza, a prescription-only 150 milligram injection for adults who are candidates for systemic or phototherapy. With Sky Rizzi, three out of four people achieved 90% clearer skin at four months. And Sky Rizzi is just four doses a year after two starter doses. Don't use if allergic to Sky Rizzi. Serious allergic reactions and an increased risk of infections or a lower ability to fight them may occur. Before treatment, your doctor should check for infection and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms, such as fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, or if you plan to or recently received a vaccine. Thanks to Sky Rizzi, there's nothing on my skin, and that means everything. your doctor today about Sky Rizzi, the number one dermatologist prescribed biologic in psoriasis. And visit SkyRizzi.com or call 1-866-SKY-RIZZI to learn more. Decisions, decisions. Whether it's choosing your dinner spot or picking the perfect show to stream, even the simplest choices can be challenging. Hi, I'm Brad Barron, CEO at Barron Heating, AC, Electrical, and Plumbing. And today, I'm thrilled to introduce something that'll make your whole home comfort decisions a breeze. Barron's new upfront pricing. Whether you need heating, cooling, solar, or plumbing, we've taken our whole home approach to the next level. We've taken out the guesswork in our estimating process. No surprises, no compromises, just clear and straightforward upfront pricing. Our home performance experts will provide you with accurate knowledge on the spot, allowing you to easily choose the right products that meet your comfort, health, and efficiency needs, all within your budget. And with our buyer's guide, we'll help you navigate your project decisions with ease. Right now, we have cooling options for as low as $99 per month and add a furnace for just $30 more. Call Barron today. Barron, your full-service HVAC, electrical, and plumbing contractor. Our mission, improving lives. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life. I had to start again with just my children and my wife. Welcome back to Wealth Wake Up Live. Dick Donahue with you this Saturday morning here on KGMI. We're asset advisors out on the Pacific Highway, and if you got 
Christian for me, give me a call, 360-733-1200. Well, I saw a notice come out this week I think is worth mentioning, and that is that the IRS, the interest rates are jumping in the fourth quarter of this year. The interest rate that the IRS will use will rise for the for the uh, starting October first, according to the uh, to, to a release that they put out. They said that for individuals, the rate for overpayments and underpayments will be eight percent per year, compounded daily. That means if you're underpaying your income tax, they will be charging you eight percent a year, compounded daily. Other news included that the 8% for overpayments exceeded on the amount owed, so they'll also pay you 8% for overpayments. And corporations will pay 7% or 5.5% for the portion of corporate overpayment exceeding $10,000. There's 8% for underpayments and 10% for large corporate underpayments. The rate of interest is determined quarterly for taxpayers other than corporations, the overpayment and underpayment rates are the federal short-term rates plus three percentage points. Generally, in the case of a corporation, the under un, the underpayment rate is the federal short-term rate plus three percentage points. The overpayment rate overpayment rate is the short-term rate plus two percentage points. The rate for larger corporate underpayments is the federal short-term rate plus five. The uh, uh, the rate for a portion of corporate overpayment of tax exceeding $10,000 for a taxable period is the federal short-term rate plus a half a point. So anyway, figure on the IRS charging you 8% in interest if you're underpaying those payments. Good reason to get those payments in there. Make sure you keep up with it. A lot of talk about a recession, and I'm going to cover some data here that uh, I've been in business for a good share of this period of time. So I can tell you from personal experience, but a question always comes up. If there's a recession, is that a stock's killer? And it isn't always. You know, there have been 11 recessions since 1950. The macroeconomics a recession is defined are two more consecutive quarters of negative gross domestic product growth. The Business Cycle Dating Committee of the National Bureau of Economic Research, or NBER, defines a recession as a significant decline in economic activity spread across the economy lasting more than a few months, normally visible in real GDP, real personal income, employment, industrial production, and wholesale retail prices. The dating committee of MBER is also responsible for establishing the start and finish of each recession. By the nature of the business activity, Dating is always done in hindsight. But we found out that recessions do not always hurt stocks. Despite what you've heard, the stock market is measured by the performance of the unmanaged, no-fee S&P 500, has had some of its best-performing years during or immediately after a recession. We have a table here with post-1950 recessions from start to finish, the GDP decline, and the highest unemployment rate during that decline, and the S&P 500 return during those years. Okay, going back, for example, starting recession in July of 53 through May of 54, we had a GDP decline of 2.2%. We had unemployment at 2.9%, and the market actually made 20.4%. That was back in 53 and 54. In 57 and 58, we had a GDP decline of 3.3%. We had an unemployment rate at 6.2%. But we also had a, mar- had a, 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 a market decline of 10%. Then in 60 and 61, April of 61 to February of 60, or a- April of 60 through February of 61, we had a 2.4% GDP decline. We had unemployment at 6.9%. But we also had a 14.19% gain in the market. Then the 69.70 decline. GDP was down 8 tenths of 1%. Unemployment was at 5.5%. Market dropped just short of 8%. 73.75. We had the GDP decline of 3.6. Unemployment was up at 8.8%. And we had a market decline of 22.13%. 
January of 80 through July of 80, we had GDP decline down 1.1%. We had unemployment at 7.8%. During that one, we actually had the market up 1557. 81, July of 81 to November of 82, we had a GDP decline of 3.6, unemployment up at almost 11%, and we had a market increase of 1.3. July of 90 through March of 91, GDP decline was 1.5, unemployment at 6.8, we had a market gain of 4.3%. Then we go over here and we take a look at, if I can get my paper turned, uh, from March of 01 through November of 01, this is 2001, we had a GDP decline of three-tenths of 1%. We had unemployment at five and a half. The markets were down less than 1%. Then in November or December of 7 through June of 09, we had a GDP decline of 5.1. We had a unemployment rate at 10. And we had a market decline of 37%. Then the COVID drop that we had back in February of 20 through April of 20, we had a 19.3% decline in GDP. We had unemployment hit almost 15%, and the markets were down about 9.5%. So summarizing this, the periods touched all or part of 21 different calendar years. The recession years were split 11 to 10, 11 positive versus 10 negative. There were six years in which the calendar year decline was greater than 8%. 57, 69, 73, 74, 01, and 08. There were also seven years in which the return was in excess of 20%. And that's in the market. That was in 54, 58, 61, 75, 80, 91, and 09. So why would markets gain during a recession? Some of the reasons why the market can perform well during a recession is that a declining market presents a buying opportunity. Well-established companies that have been oversold become attractive buyers, and climbing dividend yields make stocks even more attractive. Low interest rates, the Federal Reserve often cuts rates uh, to spur economic activity, make fixed income and bank uh, investments or instruments less attractive to investors who move money into equities. Basically, I've always theorized that the same investors who overbought the stock market to put it into overvalued status are the same investors who are going to oversell the market to make it attractive to investors themselves, included. So are we entering another recession this year, and how will we know? Well, at this time, the business media have been speculating for months that of coming recession whether or not we're already in a recession or the possibility of a soft landing due to actions of the Federal Reserve Board. Of interest, the term soft landing is described as short and shallow recession first gained popularity in the early 70s in the heels of the successful Apollo 11 moon landing in 69. The term is used or overused by the business media constantly, so let's give credit to this origination, soft landing on the moon. If and when there's a recession... And when the dating committee of the MBER says it started, when will it end? Well, nobody knows that. Not the talking head on CBC and not me here on your station. It would be great if a bell would ring to announce the end of a recession. But that's not going to happen. But what will happen? I don't know for sure. But there will be a pent-up demand that at some point will couple with increasing consumer confidence and people will buy items that they or their businesses and households need and have put off purchasing. Then people resume buying items that they don't necessarily need but they want. And at some future date, the dating committee will tell us that something we already know, that the recession is over. The bell will have rung, but we didn't hear it, and we were busy buying things. So recessions are kind of like baseball. Bob Prince was the announcer for the Pittsburgh Pirates, longtime announcer. If the team went on a losing streak or a favorite player was mired in a batting slump, Prince would offer up the account of the hidden vig. The hidden vigorish meant that the longer something continued, the closer it was to changing course. When Roberto Clemente was hitless in his last 20 bats, Prince would tell us that the longer Roberto went without getting a hit, the closer he was to getting one. The longer we go without a recession, the closer we are to having a recession. Then, the longer that we are in a recession, the closer we are to getting out of it. 
It made perfect sense to me when Bob Prince said it many years ago, and it makes perfect sense to me now. So just a little thought there that you might want to keep in the back of your head. This has been Dick Donahue with you this Saturday morning here on KGMI with Wealth Wake Up Live. Again, if you got questions for me, you can always give me a call. I did talk earlier about our reasons for making our transition back to LPL Financial. I am more than happy to talk to anybody about that. Uh, if you got, Also, don't forget about our show tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. And again, if you got questions for me, give me a call, 360-733-1200. I want to thank you for listening. Be safe out there. A lot of traffic this weekend, a lot of people traveling. But to go out and enjoy it, and we'll be back next week with more Wealth Wake Up Live. Thank you for being here. on the show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision.